the Memphis Grizzlies select John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge next game, you hear me? Hello and welcome in everyone to the newest episode of the Next Gym Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And I am joined by my guy, Joe Mullinex, who, if you don't know, is actually the first person that ever gave me an NBA job covering the Grizzlies. So shout out to Joe, uh, the GOAT himself. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. That's lofty praise. Um, you know, I- I'm well. I you know, I was on the core four earlier this week and, and that was fun and talking with David and, you know, he and I don't always see eye to eye, which is okay. You know, it, it, I, I get that a lot, Bryce, and I know you know that. Um, <laughs> I think I've had everybody mad at me in some way, shape or form uh, that that's ever followed the Memphis Grizzlies over the last decade. So that's okay. Um, I at mean, least if, I'm, if you... that, I'm that constant chaos for everybody's Grizzlies existence. That's true. You got to ruffle some feathers every once in a while. Uh, usually I try to ruffle the feathers of the other NBA fan bases. Sometimes the Grizzlies fan base does get on me too right. a little bit. Uh, not as much. I have I have seen some people come after you though, especially around the trade deadline. So I know, like, yes. you got, <laughs> but but I you, will say this: it's like pro wrestling, right? Like the the worst part is if you don't get a reaction at all, right? Sometimes you'll true. love me, and sometimes you'll hate me. I've I've turned heel and, and turned babyface to use wrestling vernacular like 20 times in the last 10 years. Uh, it's when there's apathy that there's an issue. So haven't yeah. had that as a problem yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, just to kind of get started, uh, this is as we're releasing this, this is going to be uh, the night before basically all of the all-star stuff is going to be started uh, with the rising stars and everything like that. Uh, but I want to stick with first starting with like the big all-star game because sure. for the first time ever, the Grizzlies are going to have two players in the All-Star game, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, so as somebody who's covered the team as long as you have, I mean, obviously I've been following the team for a long time too, uh, but not like covering it as much. What does sure. it mean to kind of finally see them get two players in the All-Star game? It's just the continued evolution, right? Um, you know, in, in 2011, when I became a fan and a follower of the team 12 years ago now, which is crazy to say out loud, um, I, I was able to see that genesis of grit and grind and that really resonated with me and, and stood out to me, but like the peaks of grit and grind were, you know, Zach Randolph in the all-star game or Mark Gasol defense player of the year. Those are really cool moments. I don't want to degrade them or make it seem like they weren't important, but you're looking at this next generation of the Grizzlies and for them to be endearing themselves to the city, the way they do John Morant, all the good, that he does in the city. You know, there's some things that I wish he did better and we don't necessarily have to go down that road on this episode, but at the same time, there's a lot that he does really good and, and he's really impressive, you know, giving the shoes away. You could tell his daughter adores him. He looks like he's a good dad, um, you know, to, to represent the city well, like that previous group of guys did and to do it on another grander scale, right? Two time all-star game starter. Now, John Moran, that's massively important. Uh, the first time in history, like you said, two Grizzlies going to the game. 
I don't, I'm not sure any other Western Conference team has that distinction, right? Unless after injury uh, replacements, maybe there is. Um, but you know, to I start think the with, Kings, the Kings have Fox now because of injury replacements. Right. But, but basically, that, yeah, before that, yeah, I mean, it was just the Grizzlies with two All Stars. So that tells you how popular John Morant is, the the impact that he has as a top ten player in the NBA, regardless of what the Ringer says. That list is ridiculous. Or you know, the fact that the coaches picked. Jaron Jackson Jr. when there were other names like an Anthony Davis, other guys that were out in that mix that could have been selected. And they went with Jaron and how impactful he's been, especially as a defensive player. He's growing offensively. He's one of the better players in the NBA now. You know, it's really fun to watch this develop and grow and get even bigger. And it's with guys that you can be proud of. Like I said, John Morant has made some mistakes, but he's also 23 years old, who among us at the age of 23 is perfect. I certainly can't say I was. So and I'm not perfect now. So he he those guys represent the city well. They are wonderful pieces of what Memphis is trying to do and they're evidence of the Grizzlies development system, the way that they invest in guys. Obviously John Morant was going to be really good no matter where he went, but at the same time the marriage of personality between John ja and Memphis is really really strong. And Jaron Jackson Jr., going from a, a a piece that was drafted by a previous regime that, you know, was a lot of potential at the time, not necessarily as much substance, to see him grow and get better and better and better as the years have gone on. You know, it, it's homegrown talent. These aren't guys that were, you know, sought out and acquired via trade. You know, through the, the low times of the end of grit and grind, you're now getting to see a, a revival of that energy and that positivity. And that's really fun to watch. Definitely. And I think going into it, like you said, Jaron was a surprise. Everybody knew Ja was going to make the all-star team, especially right. after he made it last year. Uh, as I long think... as John Moran is healthy for the next 10 years, he will be on the all-star team. Exactly. So like going into it, like going into the big, like the reveal and everything, I, I don't know about you. I wasn't expecting Jaron to actually get picked. No. Like I was, I, I was putting it out there just so that people could see like, Hey, he's having an all-star level season, sure. but I didn't think that somebody was actually, I didn't think they were actually going to put him on the team. Just because I thought it was a typo. I thought it was one of those tweets that Shams or, or Woj tweets out and then they delete it real fast. I was like, no way. There's that's you thought, it, They, they were going to be like, he's in the skills challenge or something, yeah, not the all-star like, gamers. Like it was like in their drafts. Cause you know, that's what those dudes do. They put like 30 names in the drafts and you know, um, they just hit send. Um, at least that's the way I explain it in my simple head, how they're able to get it out so quickly. Uh, but my, my logic to that is, you know, he deserves it. He deserves it. And that was one of the cool things about the jazz game on Wednesday night was him showing, you know, what the peak of his powers look like. He's not Giannis. He, he's not that good, but he's Giannis light. He's knocking on the door of that ballpark. As I like to say, he's not as far off as you think he is from that. And you know, he he showed that against Utah. He was dominant on both ends of the floor. And and it's it's really cool to see the coaches acknowledge that and appreciate that and see the value in that. I think you tweeted out recently that he's now uh, eligible for the counting stat rankings uh, yes. on, on NBA for the NBA. And he's number one in so many different categories. He's pretty clearly the defensive player of the year. Nick Claxton's having a good year. And uh, Brooke Lopez, I know, is having a really strong season for the Bucs. Those are guys that are worthy to mention. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is just leaps and bounds ahead in terms of how explosive he is, how impactful he is. Teams just openly don't go in the paint 
when he's there. And it it is going to help the Grizzlies and it's going to continue to pay dividends as the season goes on. So a surprise to be sure, uh, because I didn't know that they would appreciate him the way that we do, but clearly mm-hmm. they did. And, you know, Memphis is in a position to, to have two all-stars for the first time. Yeah, for sure. And then when you kind of talk about like the defensive impacts, because mm-hmm. everybody looks at he's leading in blocks per game, which I think that that's obviously very impressive, but I'd sure. honestly argue that the more impressive thing is that he gets as many blocks as he does, and then he's also still like leading the NBA in field goal percentage or or not mm-hmm. or defensive field goal percentage in the restricted area and right. within six feet. And then the Grizzlies are first in defensive rating since he came back. They were 20th before. So it's just like everything you see in terms of when Jaron is on the court, it seems like everybody plays better. Uh, and whether that's on mostly on defense, I mean, it's kind of like they funnel it to him a little bit. So that's sure. part of it. Uh, but then I also think that when you look at his like plus minus just overall, mm-hmm. he's I think sixth in total plus minus in the NBA right now. And it's like Grizzlies, Grizzlies are outscoring the other team by almost 300 points with Jaron on the floor through this season. And he's only played 40 games. So it's one of those yeah. things where if he had played the full season, you know, he might be first. Uh, he's but- a walking mismatch. He's a walking mismatch. You, you can't defend him with a traditional five you can't defend him with an undersized four he has so many different ways that he can abuse you you know the only guys that can kind of hang with him are the ones like a Giannis like a Nick Claxton those dudes that have a little bit of Evan Mobley is a great example going back to the Cavs game a couple games ago you know those are the types of dudes that can limit Jaron but they also are limiting everybody right they're comparable in terms of their defensive acumen so um, he, he has really developed he is not just a perimeter-based big anymore. He's able to get to the basket. He's not going to back you down consistently unless he has that decisive uh, size advantage. But what he is going to do is he's going to find that mismatch, whether it's on the perimeter in a pick and pop or off of a screen, whether it's you know in dribble penetration. He's not terrible at that. He's the one area of his game that's really lacking right now, and people will point at rebounds and. I'm not sure he's ever going to be that dominant rebounder. He's not Stephen Adams. That's one of the reasons Stephen Adams is still here. An area I'd like to see Jaron improve in is assists. Uh, he is one of the worst bigs in the NBA in terms of assist percentage and getting the ball out. And He's kind of like Dylan in that way. When he gets into the lane, it's unlikely he's passing out, and that's something that can be a little bit predictable at times. Defenses can collapse on a Jaron drive and not worry about him dishing to Luke Kennard in the corner because he passes it 5% of the time. You know, you play the odds a little bit. So there's areas he can get better, but the good news is he's 23 years old, and it's very likely he's going to continue to grow his game. He's not even in his prime yet. Yeah, definitely. And I like that you brought up that assisting. I think that is one of the ways that he can be better uh, just in terms of passing out, like you said. Uh, But it's also like I feel like he kind of gets baited into offensive fouls because of that too because, you know, they know that he's not going to pass out and then he's going to go to the basket. Uh, But kind of moving on to like their case for getting there. Like I said, Ja, there's really not much to argue about. Uh, Jaron was the one that kind of like throughout whether it was on the actual show when he got announced or on NBA Twitter, there was all these people that kind of said, oh, this guy should have got in, this guy should have got in, which I think most of the people they were talking about ended up getting in because of the injury replacements. So I don't think it's that big of a deal now, but I do think that just his overall impact is what's being rewarded by him being in this game. Uh, And I'm very excited for him just to go out there uh, do you have any expectations for either Ja or Jaron actually in the game? 
or are you just kind of like just there there it's fine I mean I know last year it seemed like Ja was kind of just out there to get a couple highlights and uh, then just chill which I'm fine with that too uh, but, you know, there's different levels to how seriously guys take the all-star game. It might be hard for a defensive guy like Jaron to really stand out, but we'll see what happens. I think that if they're playing against each other, Jaw's going to try to dunk on Jaron. I do think that will that there will be he, – he, maybe he will try it and think better of it because, again, you don't want to get anybody hurt in the all-star game, that sort of thing. So it's possible he, you know, rears back and backs out at the last second. Uh, but I do think if they're on opposite teams, there will be a little bit of a back and forth there at some point when they're both on the floor sharing it together on opposite ends for the first time. Uh, which, by the way, quick side note, I love that they're picking the teams on Sunday. I think that's yes. fantastic. It's it's pickup, right? Like, and, the, and they're leaning into it. I'm not even mad at them for it. It's different from the NFL Pro Bowl where, you know, there's so much physicality. You can actually get injured if you don't try really hard in football. Whereas in basketball, it's not nearly that serious. You can go, I mean, I my old fat tail can go play pickup basketball. And, yeah, and, true. Uh, <laughs> I know. And that, you, can, you can survive. So they, they, they're the best athletes on the planet. They can kind of control themselves a little bit and, and it not be that bad. But I think that, you know, Jaw trying to get to the basket on Jaron could happen. I think that Jaw is an, a dark horse MVP candidate now that he's a starter. I think, you know, he, he's not banged up. He's not hurt. I think that there's going to be, you know, a, a bit of a, an opportunity there for him to get a little more run than he would have as a reserve. So I like Jaws, a dark horse MVP. I don't think Jaron's going to get a ton of minutes, and that's okay. Um, I'd be fine if neither of them played because I want them healthy for the Sixers on, on Thursday. Yeah, but exactly. It, it's, it's going to be really cool to see them, you know, all-star Saturday night. I talked about on Locked on Grizzlies, the podcast I do it to Michael Cole now. You know, I talked about how that's kind of mid, you know, that's I'm not I'm not really excited for the dunk contest or the three point shootout. Only yeah. one guy in the top 10 and the three point percentages is actually participating in the three point shootout. Uh, they got Julius Randle doing the three point shootout. Like, no disrespect, but that's no, that's, that's what I was saying. I was like, like, at that point, you might as well put Dylan in the three point. Right. Yeah. You know? You're not far off. So uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I'll probably tune in for a few minutes just to see them zoom in on John Jaron, you know, because that's. That's the cool thing. And that kind of brings us back to the earlier part of our conversation. You know, you're from Memphis. You're there in Tennessee. I lived in Memphis for a few years. You know, you if you've lived there, if you've been there, you understand the not necessarily little brother. That's not the right way to put it. But Memphis is the biggest little city I've ever been in, in terms of, you know, it has the best of major cities in a lot of ways, food wise, culture wise. But you also, you know, it, it feels like you can drive around town in five or ten minutes especially downtown, right? I used to live on Mud Island and you, know, you could get from Mud Island to the other side of downtown in you know, less than 10 minutes. So it, it's really cool in that way. And it's really cool to see Memphis on the national stage in a good positive way, right? People have their stereotypes and all these things about the city, which aren't entirely fair at all. It's a good positive representation of what the team is. And people will be turning in for the first time and say, oh my gosh, the Grizzlies have two all-stars? Yeah, they do, and, and they both deserve it. So it, it, that's what I'm most looking forward to is people, maybe a, a little bit of petty machete, like Anthony Sane likes to say, um, <laughs> you know, just saying, oh, look, this little town that everybody forgets has an NBA team sometimes. You know, John Morant's got his own shoe. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s a growing star, and they're both in the All-Star game. So I, I'm going to enjoy that part of it the most, just kind of taking it in and seeing 
two all-stars for the Grizzlies that are under the age of 24 that are under contract for the next several years, you know, they have a chance to put it together a little run of success. And if things break right, they could be a title contender for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're talking about like from the Memphis point of view, it's not only do they have two players in the all-star game, you look at Ja, you've got an all-star starter that's going to play the all-star game in his own shoe. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, it's just like a bunch of cool stuff because I mean that, I mean, not to say that he's not to the level, obviously he's not to the level of like the LeBron and all those guys who have had shoes for years, but just the fact that he's even put in the same conversation with that, getting that signature shoe, uh, putting that on the national stage and everything, that's going to be awesome to see. Uh, And you go back to like, you know, I feel like it's a year for a lot of first in terms of uh, just whether it's the Christmas game, whether Mm -hmm. it's, more national televised games in general, more coverage, whether that's good coverage or bad coverage, as we were talking sure. about earlier, uh, right. just more coverage in general. Uh, it used to, it, it went from uh, now, it feels like sometimes the Grizzlies are the most hated in the NBA at times, you know, where it used to be, I, I mean, I'd rather them be the most hated than nobody talk about them. Cause it's like, at least now since people are talking about it and well, you see like we the talked about earlier with All-Stars. me. Sorry to cut you off. It's like we talked about earlier with me, right? On a much smaller scale. Obviously, the Memphis Grizzlies are more popular than me. But it's bad when there's apathy. And I would write about that when I was at GBB. I was the site manager during those dark days when it was the end of grit and grind and the Chandler Parsons contract failed. And there were rumors of them blowing it up and trading Mark. You know, all those the the really poor season that led to being able to draft Jaron Jackson Jr., because people forget the Grizzlies got lucky in the lottery for John Moran. They were like seventh or eighth in the lottery. Um, and, and, you know, they were able to move up. So the fact that that happened is a good thing, but the Grizzlies were mildly competitive in the 2019 season heading into that John Moran draft. They were really bad in 2018. That was the year before when you yeah. bottomed out and, you know, you had the odds were different and all those sorts of things. And, you know, to get Jaron Jackson Jr., I had to watch a lot of bad basketball and I had to write about a lot of bad basketball. And I would write about the old GM regime, Chris Wallace and all those guys, you know, the idea of apathy, you know, for for a small market team like Memphis that with grit and grind was building a fan base, building generational fandom. Like the fact that, you know, I have these uh, the Grizzlies when they did their 20 seasons they gave like the bobbleheads. They sent me bobbleheads for my coverage of the team and other media folks got these too. But my point is my daughters play with these and my daughters know who Hubie Brown is Mm -hmm. like in no universe to two little girls in Virginia know who Hubie Brown is, (laughs) but that, but that's generational fandom. You know what I mean? That's what they're establishing through grit and grind. And obviously now you see all the kids with John Moran jerseys and John Moran shoes coming out and all that stuff. Uh, the, The point I'm trying to make, is when I was in the throes of the worst of times at the end of Grit and Grind, there was apathy. You know, it was in our site numbers. It was in our podcast numbers. People didn't care. And if they hate you or they love you, at least you're eliciting emotion, right? So being the villain, if that's what the Grizzlies are going to be outside of Memphis, so be it. You know, at least you're eliciting emotion and there's going to be people that embrace that mentality and embrace that type of team. And you'll continue to build that footprint. And, you know, Jeff Calkins wrote about it in the Daily Memphian. I thought he did a great job. You know, this has been the most successful season in Grizzlies history for a variety of reasons. 
And one of them is the fact that, you know, the governor of Tennessee finally agreed to give Memphis money to update FedEx Forum. So it, it's less likely than it's ever been that Memphis is ever going to leave. And that sounds silly to say on this podcast in 2023. When I started covering this team 10 years ago, it wasn't silly to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, where the hell are the Memphis Grizzlies? How long are they going to be the Memphis Grizzlies? Was a pretty common conversation piece. That's It sounds ridiculous to say out loud now. So context is important. I think we get ahead of ourselves as fans and we see this team, oh, they should compete. They should be championship contenders right now. They should do it right now. And pump the brakes. This is still a very young franchise, not just a young team. And it's okay to stop and smell the roses a little bit about how far they've come. You can't compare yourself to the Lakers or the Celtics. You don't have that history. You don't have that lineage. You're starting out on that journey in the NBA. So to be the two seed again, after most people, myself included, predicted a bit of a drop off, you know, that's that's really impressive. And I think that fans, as much as a title is what a lot of people want, if all you do is judge this group based off of that, you're you're losing a lot of the journey along the way. And that's one of the best things about sports. Yeah, definitely. And I like what you said, well, about at the end there about a lot of people saying that they didn't think they were going to be as good because I'll be honest, I didn't think they were going to be, I didn't think they were going to win 56 games, which it doesn't look like they're going to win 56 games. I think they're on pace for 50 right now. Yeah. But, but I also was like, the West isn't going to be as good though, or is it's not going to be as top heavy. So it's like 50 wins like based on what we've seen right now, 50 wins could very well still be the two seed. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's going to be a positive for them going forward. And yeah, like the whole, uh, I, I like having some of that context. Cause obviously I was a lot younger when all that was going on. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, I, I, I like hearing stuff like that because it's just cool to see kind of how it's uh, grown. Because like I always say, I, I actually grew up like right outside of Nashville. So sure. like being, like people didn't care about the Grizzlies, you know, right. like I was like the only person that cared about the Grizzlies most of the time. And it's just crazy to see now people, whether it was somebody I went to high school with or people I went to college with and stuff like that, that have never lived in Memphis uh, who actually care about the Grizzlies. And I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of it is because John Morant finally got a spotlight on the team. And then it's like, oh, you come for John Morant, but you stay for everything else about the team and the franchise and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a a big thing going forward as the Grizzlies, like as a fan, not just as a fan base, but like as an organization kind of just continue to grow with having, you know, you're going to go on the road and there's going to be a lot of John Morant jerseys. There's going to be more fans than you've seen in the past. And there's going to be, you know, ticket sales are going to be, uh, or ticket prices are going to be higher and like stuff like that, that you're going to have to deal with. So there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff when it comes to that. Uh, but I think that as of now, like you said, this is the best season that uh, in terms of the position they're in uh, from like a social standpoint, in terms mm-hmm. of being relevant, this is the most relevant the Grizzlies have been ever. Uh, I mean, it's pretty I don't think it's really much of an argument at this point. No. Uh, and, you know, another another playoff run, maybe even go into the conference finals or something would just make it even even better. Uh, but kind of before we get to the end of this, there is another Grizzlies all-star, technically, even though he is on the Memphis Hustle. We've yes. got our guy, Kenneth Lofton Jr. So mm-hmm. I've seen some Hustle games now, and he's been playing he, – he's been dominating in South Haven, and that is the case. So I'm very glad 
that he's getting a chance to showcase himself on a more national stage. Uh, his game is different than, you know, what you see traditionally now, just because you don't really see those back to the basket bigs as much. Really, I, I mean, you could really say that Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph were really like they they were kind of holding on to the past, and then once they kind of uh, came out of the league, it seems like it's almost died off. I mean, you got Jokic, but Jokic is so different than the stuff they were doing because he does so right. much other stuff. Uh, but it's just interesting to kind of see like a back to the basket guy and then see him in the rising stars game against well when you when you look at his team his team is mostly like the G the G League team but he's going to be playing against like Paulo Banchero and a lot of these guys that were in the top of his class and the top of last year's class and everything uh so not to say we should put like a ton of stock in the way he looks like if he goes out there and wins rising stars MVP I'm not going to be clamoring for him to play 20 minutes a game or something for the Grizzlies but it, I, I still think it's something fun uh to watch in the rising stars game uh I honestly think Santi Aldama probably should have got a look and maybe being in there too uh probably not going to get it just because he's not a bigger name but when you look at his impact he probably had a chance uh but yeah just I'm, I'm gonna be excited to watch him I loved watching him uh over the summer in summer league I know he was basically like the fan favorite of the summer league uh, so we might get a little bit of that coming into that. So uh, what are you thinking about him and anything that you want to see out of him or uh, just going into that rising stars game? It's just, it's another exhibition, right? It's another exhibition game. Um, I, I'm not really that interested in what he does there. It'll be cool to see him there. And I do think it's important to make that distinction of here's a guy who, you know, aside from like the depths of NBA draft Twitter, nobody was talking about this dude, right? Very few people were saying, watch out for this guy as an NBA player. And he has made himself look like an end of the rotation NBA player. That is what he is doing in the G League, what NBA players should do in the G League. You know, DeMichael and I talk about that on Lockdown Grizzlies a lot. That was Xavier Tillman, for example, when X is down in the G League or when he played in Summer League. The fact he doesn't dominate consistently is concerning. You know, he, Lofton Jr. is dominating. Unfortunately, there's two ends of the court, right? And his defensive woes are fairly obvious, right? He's not going to be able to be laterally quick enough. He's going to struggle in hedges. Any switchability stuff you're trying to do, he, he is very much a niche, get you a bucket, you're accepting whatever happens defensively kind of player. And that doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. You know, a lot of times you criticize or you evaluate according to what you see a player and people say you're a hater. No, I'm not a hater. I I think it's very impressive what he's done considering what he has in terms of talent, physical gifts. It's really cool. He's very skilled as a basketball player, but there's limits to what he's going to be able to do. So him as a G league guy is fantastic two-way contract. I would even give him a roster spot moving forward. I think he could become your big man, John Conchar, in a way. Um, And for the record, I think the Grizzlies play Conchar too much. Like if Conchar is your 13th man, Lofton Jr. would be your 14th man, if that makes sense. He's a guy that you signed to a three-year, $4.5 million contract. You know for a couple of games he can give you minutes. Break in case of emergency kind of. Right, exactly. That's what I envision Conchar being best at. And that's what I see Lofton as. And, and that's a good NBA career. 
You know, not everybody's going to be a rotation player. Not everybody's going to be a star. I think there's only 450 active roster spots uh, for NBA players in the entire league. So if you get one of those 450, you're a part of a pretty elusive club. So I think he's proven that he's worthy of that. And he's proven that he could be a, a, a spot contributor. But watching his game, I struggle to see him being someone that can do what he's doing now even 50% of what he's doing now on a nightly basis in an NBA game because of those physical limitations. Um, you, you covered, you, you went to Tennessee, you covered the Tennessee Vols. You know, I played division three football. It's still college football. But if I went up to play Tennessee, I was 6'2", 290 when I played. And I'm going against a 6'4", 300 pound, runs a lot faster than me, even though he's bigger than me tackle. Yeah. You know, I could be the best football player on the planet, but if that guy's good too, he's going to kick my ass. And that's that's kind of what Kenneth Lofton is. He's a guy who just doesn't have the physical ability to be in a position to be that dominant kind of player. And, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I do think he's a wonderful story. He's another example of the Memphis development system at work, the Memphis draft system at work. He's a good basketball player. He deserves credit for what he's done. And and I think he's earned an NBA roster spot. Maybe it'll be with the Grizzlies. Maybe not. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the roster spot. I'm I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be a rotation guy. But when you talk about, like, the Grizzlies development, like, when they when they drafted Santi Aldama, I didn't think Santi Aldama was going to be a rotation guy. No, you know? See, I did. <laughs> well, see, I that, exactly. See, I wasn't sure. Because he has the size, right? He does he have has well, the physical he has, size. He has the physical size. I'll give you that. And I do he's think he's 11. a little bit more – he's more polished, like, overall, Absolutely. too. Yeah, Better handle on the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like – it's one of those things where, I mean, who knows? Maybe, I don't know, if he drops a few pounds or something, <laughs> he might have, you know, maybe maybe a higher ceiling. Uh, but with what he's done with the hustle, I think that he's warranted at least getting a look in this game. I think that's the most exciting thing. Uh, kind of like you said, it's just that, I mean, <laughs> the fact that, you know, two Grizzlies All-Stars, somebody from your G League team is playing in the Rising Stars game, uh, all that is just really my takeaway from it. But it's also going to be a thing where, like you said, I don't know if I really would have watched the Rising Stars Challenge as much, you know, this year. No, You know, last couple of years we had John there. Jaron was in there with Ja one of those years. Uh, we had Bane Brandon and the Clark Rising too. Stars. Yeah, Brandon Clark. So, like, we like in the past few years, it's kind of like guys are getting older. You don't really have as many people in there. So it was going to be one of those things where for Grizzlies fans, maybe you didn't have anything to look out for uh, in on that first night of the All-Star weekend. And I think for, for Grizzlies fans that are looking for something to watch, that's at least, like, a good feel-good story to watch, see. And, uh, you know – he might mess around and have a really good game. One of these rising stars games, like you never know. Well, yeah, I think one it's of the, be... one of the great ironies of all this, of course, is the Grizzlies went in the opposite direction in terms of people wanting them to make a trade, get older. Like I argued for, I wanted them to make a trade, to get older, contend a little bit more seriously. And they went the opposite way, right? They got younger and they had two first round picks, a couple second round picks. And, and Kenneth Lofton jr. Is the one of the five that they brought in. That's, you know, getting that that rising stars look. I don't know. I don't know if on draft night, if you pooled everyone and said, which one of these fives is going to be in the rising stars game? I don't think that guy would have gotten the vote. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that is the interesting thing, too. I mean, obviously, because of the whole G League thing, it is a little bit different. 
but yeah, I definitely probably would have said LaRavia or Roddy or somebody mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but yeah, that's why I think it's just exciting to kind of see him. And then you said he has defensive woes. They don't play defense in all-star games. So it'll, so maybe this is, this is the perfect place for at the uh, worst case scenario or like worst case scenario, he goes out there and he plays bad and it doesn't matter. Best case scenario, he goes out there, plays well, uh, gets some extra Instagram followers, uh, something like that. Get some, get some an endorsement deal or something. You know who knows. Uh, but Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before you hop off, if you want to plug your Twitter, anything else that you're doing out there, you this is the time to do it. Sure, I appreciate it. At Joe Mullinax on Twitter, I have a Memphis Grizzly specific Substack called Written in the Dark. That if you haven't subscribed yet, I'd highly uh, appreciate if you did. Uh, there's paid and free options there. I write for SB Nation NBA now. I also write for Fan Sided, um, which is a lot of fun. I appreciate that. But the main thing I do on a daily basis, because it is Locked On Podcast Network, is uh, the Locked On Grizzlies podcast that I do with my co-host, Michael Coles. So that's on YouTube. Anywhere you get podcasts, check out Locked On Grizzlies. It's appreciated. Yes, for sure. Great podcast with you and the Michael. I, you know, I try to tune in from time to time as much as I can. Sure. Uh, but thank you to everyone who listened to this episode and for supporting the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network with the core four starting five Grizzly Bear Bets, GBB Live, and of course the Next Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Bryson Wright. Had a great guest on with Joe Mullinex this week, and we'll see you guys next week for some more post-All-Star break reactions and predictions for the rest of the Grizzly season.